Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz pianist and leader Dred Scott of the Pacific Jazz Group. He opened up about his project, upcoming albums, his life and music, and the future ahead. His label is referred to him as the maestro of mayhem in his earlier years, and he has the resume to back it up. He's played and recorded with a long list of diverse artists, ranging from Liza Minnelli, Courtney Love, Anthony Braxton, Joe Henderson, Joe Morello, Moby, and Ricky Lee Jones. Previously, he has produced 10 albums of his own, five for Ropadope, and his trio has played the Rockwood Music Hall every Tuesday night at midnight for nearly a decade. He's got a flavor-rich story. Enjoy. Hi, Joe. Hey, what's up? You like that background? Yeah, I do. Oh, start video. I haven't I haven't done this since the pandemic. I'm a oh. little rusty. Oh, you're fine. No, no, no. We're going to get through it. Yeah, hey, and um, if you don't mind sending me your address, I'll send you one of these stickers. Um, it's, it's an old painting oh, cool. I did. I'd love to oh, send cool. you one. Yeah. Yeah, I will. I will. So, so, hey, man, thank you for taking a minute out. It's great to catch up with you. My pleasure. Thank you for I, your interest in the record. Oh, man, I absolutely love this album. I jumped oh, on cool. it and played it, and oh. I've already had it on the show. I, um, I, I love it. Absolutely love it. And where are you located? Kansas City, Missouri. Right. Okay. Yeah. You know Chuck McKinnon? Chuck McKinnon. Man, that name's Wait, familiar. He's a trumpet player. He's on the scene there. Yeah, he, the name is so familiar. Yeah, he's he, he's a jazz jazz jazzy jazz guy. Okay, okay, yeah, um, I'll yeah, I'll have to go through my Rolodex here. <laughs> yeah, I've known him since California days, and then he moved to New York too, and then he's just been chasing uh, college college gigs. Okay, you know, trying okay. to teach. He got his PhD, and it's a little harder than he thought it would be. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, if you want to get that doctor label, it's going to take some effort. That's oh no, he got it. He got it. Yeah, yeah, that's what. Yeah, be, he thought it was just going to be easier to get teaching gigs. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, there's almost kind of no there there. You know, people, who wants to learn to play jazz? Then what? Yeah. You know, then what do you do? Yeah. I, you know, I can't tell you, man. You know, <laughs> so yeah. you know, when you say to the cat, you know, my advice is if you have something better to do, you should do it. You know. Yeah. Uh, but if you don't, this this will be okay. You know? Yeah, for sure. Well, man, you know, you kind of mentioned up front about the pandemic, this first interview. How did you survive that time now that we're kind of coming out that three years? And how has it changed the way that you do things now? Well, this record was recorded just before the pandemic. And um, uh, I spent the pandemic um, editing my my autobiography. It's called 50,000 Bong Hints. You can get it on uh, Amazon. And so I was fairly productive during the pandemic. Financially, my wife, I had nothing. Uh, I was the house pianist at Del Posto. Uh, it's the Mario Batali restaurant for like eight years. That was kind of like my day job. Four, four nights a week, I could play there. and um, But that crashed and never came back after the pandemic. Kind of, you know, he kind of crashed and that was the end of that place. Uh, but it was a good run and, uh, that's what I was doing at the time. So it went from being really busy to not, to nothing at all. Um, we spent the first couple of months on the Eastern shore of Virginia, um, where my wife's father's wife, uh, had, had a place that they weren't in. So they, they were watching television. Then it was like apocalyptic in New York. You know, they're down in Florida and they're like, get out of there before it's too late. We're like, really country house. Yeah. So we yeah. packed up the car and we went down there and just 
it wasn't even there yet. So it was kind of, it was kind of uh, weird. Um, yeah. When we came back, things had kind of settled down here and people to kind of figure out what was going on. Uh, and then shortly after that, my wife got a job with Disney as an onset safety manager, um, which was a, you know, kind of a new job and kind of, kind of raised in importance. Now, if you're going to shoot, maybe you saw Tom Cruise's famous tirade yelling at his crew during the pandemic, you know, yeah. If we don't follow the protocol, they are going to shut us down and we won't be able to shoot and nobody can make any money. You know, that means you know, and your buddy and, you know, put your fucking mask on. So, you know, yep. that was kind of her. She was working on a, on a set Godfather of Harlem and uh, they were building it out and then shooting and all, you know, she had to be in charge of all, all of that. Everyone getting tested three times a week and, and the times, the changing protocols being in touch with that. So right away, uh, I mean, that was not only a right away job, but it was a really good job. You know, it was a really good Disney job. All of a sudden, healthcare, you know, we'd been, you know, scrambling because she was freelance story editor before that. And, you know, I just play gigs and do music. Um, so that we we're very lucky that got us through. We got the alpha variety. Our daughter is a, is an asymptomatic character carrier. Um, so she had it too, but, but didn't get sick. And then that was the only time that we had it or, you know, um, uh, and fast forward, she's still employed with Disney doing the same thing. Uh, only now she runs like maybe eight or 10 shows as, as the protocols soften and soften and soften, you know, now they're kind of, I mean, they're not going to, the product, you know, mask protocols probably won't return for those Disney shows, but, um, but uh, they they still she still needs to manage positive tests when they happen and quarantine and there's still protocols for all that so she still has the job so that's good for us yeah, yeah. so talk to me a little bit about the Pacific Jazz Group it's such a great album how did this come about I'm a huge huge fan of um, all things Pacific Jazz and World Pacific when I lived in California I discovered this uh, sampler label sampler in a uh, uh, record store. And I had this little Chinese girl. Maybe she's Japanese. Um, I think she was Japanese. Uh, eating an ice cream cone with a little bowl haircut. Super cute. And it said Pacific Jazz in different colored letters, $1.99. And it was an album sampler that was narrated by this guy. So here's Jerry Mulligan and Chet Baker playing this music that didn't, didn't have any, you know, uh, harmonic reinforcement. Uh, a lot of that sound was no no chords, no guitar, no piano. So I thought that was really modern sounding for the 50s. Um, and yet they played very, very inside. Um, so I, w- I was just drawn to that, to that music and that sound and just started to explore the label more and more and more. And the imprint is really cool. All of the, all of the, almost all of the record covers are really cool. Uh, feature a big piece of art. And then the, the name of the band is small. You know, so anyway, this guy comes along and he's he's talking about the sound of jazz, the sound of men communicating with each other and with you. So it goes through the whole album. This guy keeps popping up and I'm like, what the fuck is this? You know, so that's what started it all. And now I probably have, I don't know, 50 or so, 60 Pacific jazz records, maybe more. Uh, You know, that's Bud Shank, that's Chico Hamilton, Russ Freeman, um, Joe Pass recorded for them, uh, some some things for them. Jim Hall, um, 
Uh, who else? Michelle Legrand did some things for them. Um, Victor, what's his name? He played with, uh, played with Miles. Victor, uh, forget his name. Um, anyway, um, yeah, yeah, piano player. Yes. Yeah, Feldman, Victor Feldman. Oh, That's Feldman. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. all right, yeah. He wrote Seven Steps to Heaven. Um, he was on that label, too. There's an interesting record where it's called Vic- Victor Feldman Plays Everything in Sight, and he's on outside on some soundstage, and there's just fucking shit everywhere, gongs, and, and, and he plays all the re- instruments on the record, and that kind of uh, inspired me to, to, to do my last record which was all originals where I played all the instruments. Dred Scott rides alone. Yeah. So uh, the Pacific jazz thing was, I have a, a, a patron and fr- a friend, um, uh, architect developer in, in Berkeley, who we've been friends for a long, long time. And um, he's, so he's uh, helped me get a lot of projects made. Uh, and he had built a studio in his, Rides Alone was in one of his studios, but then he moved that studio into a bigger house and wanted to try it out. And uh, I didn't have any projects. I didn't have any, you know, to me, making a record is you write the music, you, you learn it, you know, you play it and then you record it. And that's the, that's the, how you make records. That's what I thought. And that's what I always did. And I was, but I didn't have any songs and there was no time to write any songs. And so what, what do you do? Uh, and I, this, the Pacific thing, Pacific jazz thing popped into my head. I'd always played those songs on gigs. It was always something different and unusual to play that cats, it's, it's, it's a common language, but a lot of people don't play those songs. Uh, maybe like, like Bernie's tune, everybody knows, uh, or, or, or Lion for Lions. This is another one. But after that, cats are not going to be going like, Oh, I know that song, even though they're all, you know, they're not involved. They're not difficult. They're all basic 32 bar tunes or or close to it, you know. Um, but uh, the happy sound of their music was also what attracted it, attracted me to it. Uh, it just made me feel good to put it on, you know, pep in your step. It wasn't like, you know, like after this solo, the world will, after this Coltrane solo, the world will end, which yeah. is awesome. You know, don't get me wrong. I love fucking some, you know, I love all, I love everything, you know, but this is weird. This is as specific a way of playing as say, you know, playing free jazz or playing modal or playing, you know, playing post pop. This is kind of more of a reserved uh, mindset. Not that we stick to that directly. We're still living in 2023. You know, trying to, I'm not consciously trying to modernize the, this music, but people are saying that it is modernized just because we are modern people playing it. But it wasn't a conscious thing to like, oh, I'm going to do my, it's just started with, let's just play some regular jazz, which I never do. Yeah. I have to play some, some people call my shit compla jazz or compla, you know, whatever, uh, science jazz or some of my earlier stuff is involved metrically and in weird chords and shit. Uh, some of it isn't, but. It's always been what I wanted to do, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is something I wasn't sure, you know, I wasn't sure about. So we, I had some cats that I've known in the Bay Area for years, and I got them. Uh, John Witala and Smith Dobson. The drummer comes from a long line. of His dad was a great piano player, played with Bobby Hutcherson in the Bay Area, played with everybody, Cal Jader. Uh, he was kind of a big uh, 
force in the Bay Area, although uh, I never met him. He died before I met him. Um, but his son and his daughter, Smith, uh, Sasha Dobson, she's is, lives in New York and is yeah. a great singer. Yeah. Uh, so that's that family uh, that Smith is her brother. And uh, uh, I used to play with him in the Bay Area. So that's why I got him. And Eric Crystal is Boss Gags, been on the road with Boss Gags these days. But we used to play a lot of jazz together in San Francisco days when I lived there. So that's why I picked him. He's a really intuitive sort of player. So how did this journey begin for you? How did you get into the jazz? Well, the first music I ever heard was Dave Brubeck. And and my, I have an older brother who was a piano player. Um, he played music. And he, he, at the time, was playing the the latest Dave Brubeck stuff when when I was really little. So I I was around it. I learned how to play, how to improvise on take five. You know, it's just the black notes and C and F all the way up, if you know the piano at all. Um, and you just do that. And that was kind of one of my kid tricks. Then, in the you know, I, I discovered the bass guitar when I was around 12 or 13, just dove deep into rock and was into, you know, Zeppelin and, and ACDC, Bon Scott ACDC, let me be clear. Yeah. Um, um, although the other guy, I mean, he, Back in Black is a good record, but, uh, he just didn't, he just didn't have the, the tude, the rock yeah. and roll tude that, that, uh, that you need in your lead singer. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, they has to die. That if, you know, if he is that guy, you're not going to be here long. Sorry, Jim Morrison. Yeah. You know? Right. But then I just, that led to just, um, more, you know, my, my brother is turning me on to Chick and, and, uh, and, uh, her, you know, Herbie's coming out with, when I heard Thrust, I was like, what the fuck is this shit? And that got me into that whole avenue of, uh, going back into the funk and, and P funk and, and, uh, uh, and James Brown and going back that way. But that started with Herbie and I went backwards. Um, um, same with Chick. I mean, Chick was an early piano in, influence. And his music was challenging, and that's what I that I think what I think drew me to jazz. Yeah. It was the next element of challenge. I'd played classical music as a kid, and I I didn't really feel like that. Right, that's where I got the you know idea that this is how you make jazz like a rock band. Yeah, and then when I heard then when I heard the you know, the Miles group with Wayne, you know, going back. And hearing that Miles group with Wayne and Tony and, and, uh, and, uh, um, Ron and Herbie, that shit. I mean, that was just, that was borderline rock and roll. They were hitting so hard and the shit was so loose and far out that I, I, that really what drew me to jazz because I, I had no idea what they were doing. What's, yeah. what are these, what is this, you know? And I had, I kind of had to know, but that was really that group is what really drew me in to more you know, serious jazz, you know, and then back to, and then back to Hank Jones and back to Bud Powell and Bird and all, you know, and, 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 and Teddy Wilson and, and, and Cecil Taylor. And then I started to just be, then it was just a journey of just, you know, discovery, which I'm still on. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So why do you, you know? what is it that you love the best about being a musician? What's the best part of this process for you? Oh, I don't really, I, it, I mean, it, it started as I just didn't want to have a job. 
that would go to work in the same place. And I saw my dad put his fedora on, go out the door to the job. And I'm like, he didn't say, he, I, I didn't know how much he hated it until he retired and was later in life, you know. And then we were, we talked a little more candidly, you know, and I was just convinced I was, I, I wasn't going to do that. I wasn't going to do something I didn't want to do. Um, and you're supposed to do what you want to do when you're a musician. You have to find you who you are and put it into the music and you're supposed to find, you're supposed to be searching inward and, and, and indulging yourself and knowing what you, you know, indulging your artistic whims. I mean, beyond, uh, you know, beyond the obvious technique of learning how to do, how to play, how to paint, how to draw, whatever it's fuck, you know, whatever it is. Uh, um, but beyond that, you know, it really is a free lifestyle, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's hand to mouth mostly, uh, unless you've got, I, you know, I just, I shacked up with my latest wife, my second wife, not my, not like I'm going to have another one, um, um, 13 years ago. And I didn't have any kids and neither did she in her marriages. So when we, we kind of started over and had a kid 13 years, 12 years ago when we met, and that's been a whole other sort of journey, uh, that's, that's kind of, you know, change from what you know doing what i want to doing what i need to do you know like grow i guess you might call it growing up or <laughs> yeah i wouldn't call it that but right. um but uh other than that you know i mean and she and she's a great you know she's a great makes a lot of money and and she wants to work and she likes to work and and uh her work is usually creative this this uh, um covid safety side gig just kind of came out of nowhere but she's she worked for chopped as a story producer for years it might surprise you to, be, to hear this but it's you know it's 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 manipulated highly yeah. <laughs> so at the end of the day being the man behind this music everyone has a perception of you family friends fans but you run the show what's your perception of you who do you think you are run the show well you know i pick the tracks that are good and I decide if they're not good. So I guess, you know, I pick the art and uh, pick the guys who can design it. And, uh, um, who do, who do I think I am? Um, I mean, that could be in a sort of transitionary phase. I used to be uh, quite obviously a rebellious and, and, um, um, contrary and controversial and, um, sarcastic and, uh, occasionally combative, um, opinionated certainly. And, uh, like the label, what does the label call me? The maestro of mayhem. I mean, this <laughs> record is hardly the maestro of mayhem, you know, right. it's the maestro of organization practice. I mean, this is like jazz, you know, in, the way it goes, you know, uh, uh, but, but, uh, uh, so, you know, that's kind of hard to say because I'm kind of, and I'm, you know, through my reverse midlife crisis, which was, you know, get a job and be secure and go to a cubicle and have health. I got over that. No, I'm definitely going to be a musician. going to be 60 next year. So that's it. I can't do anything else. Um, um, but I definitely, um, 
I didn't know what I was going to do with the music. I didn't, I didn't understand why I would write any more jazz music after 12 records, you know, of doing it. There it is. What else do I don't really didn't feel like I had much else to say about it. Uh, uh, especially considering the market's ahead of a pin, you know, the people who like it, people who appreciate it, it's really a small amount of people. Um, so, you know, uh, I just kept playing because I love to play and to perform. And then there's a lot, I live in New York, there's lots of opportunity to play music. Um, so I just was doing that when this kind of came along. And I already have another record in the can. It's called Cali Mambo. Uh, and this is Cal Jader and George Shearing sort of, um, Latin. Uh, if you know those records, there are about five or yeah. six of them in the mid fifties. So now I'm kind of developing this series, uh, of sort of, I, you know, I've never put any cover material on any records and now I've got two and there's nothing but covers. I wrote, I had to write a ballad that we had, we needed a ballad for Cali Mamba. So I wrote a ballad for, so I wrote something for that one, but, um, but the next record, I have this producer, Denny Abrams, and he's into this, he's into this kind of retro. The marketing people are like, people want what they know right now coming out of the pandemic. So, well, that's the Pacific Jazz and the, and the, and the Cali Mambo is very familiar, although it's not, you know, it'll sound different. The vibes with the piano, there's nothing out there like that at the moment uh, that I'm aware of. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, we, we play, we, we play on it, you know, um, more than they did, you know, um, their versions are very slick and, and it's nice. It's nice. It's great. You should check them out. It's like yeah. Latin affair, Latin lace, Latin escapade, satin Latin shit like that. They're all, then there's a chick with it, uh, a Spanish chick on the cover of all, all of them. It's kind of, you know, kind of sex. I don't know, probably sexist to do that today these days, <laughs> but yeah, who I think, I mean, I'm fine with this, you know, and so who what, I am is like, yeah, no, go ahead. Well, I just finished that idea. You know, when I think of when I think of other uh, trajectories, creative trajectories, there was a time Herbie quit writing music, and there was a time Keith quit writing music, and that was one of the most successful parts of his career when he formed the Standards Trio. Everyone went bonkers over that. I mean, that shit was fucking incredible. You know, it had nothing to do with with Keith being Keith. You know, like this is it was a departure. And, and, and same with, uh, I been in an interview, Herbie was like, I don't know. I don't know why I don't write music anymore. I don't know. And that's kind of like, wow, is that, does that just happen to some people? I guess it does because that's how I felt. But having this other, these other concepts to embrace, uh, is, uh, is kind of reinvigorating. Uh, maybe some people will be surprised that that's what's what I'm doing, you know? So um, if anyone wants to pick up, I'm not. Sorry, you 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 lag. I'm sorry. My internet's just really. I don't know what's going on in Kansas City today, but it's not happy. And I didn't mean to interrupt you. But I was just yeah. going to make sure that we got in before we got out, where they can pick up the Pacific Jazz Group, your new work, anything related to your world. Where can they go? Um. Well, I mean, the Pacific Jazz Record is on all of the streaming platforms, I think, okay. and um, and a uh, uh, Bandcamp. Um, in the, in the, um, through the label Rope Dope. Um, so I think they have, have it everywhere, pretty, pretty much. Um, uh, 50,000 Bong Hits, the, the book you can only get, uh, on Amazon. Um, it's a per print to order. Right on. And then all the other records, all the other records are at the band, at the Rope Dope or at my band's Google 
website, whatever, Dred Scott, Dan Camp, or whatever. Or you can go okay. to my website, dredscott.com, see what I'm up to. Right on. Dred, this has been great. Thank you so much for your time and your story, man. I appreciate it. Nice to meet you. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Chess interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and minds in L.A., Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Dread for his time, energy, and cool. If you want to hear more Neon Jazz interviews, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us at YouTube, and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Jazz.